This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Friday, 4th of November, 2022. And we have the follow-on developments after that Wednesday FOMC meeting and, of course, the very hawkish uh, Fed Chair Powell Presser. There was some interesting debate I've been listening to as well on the statement itself and what was read initially as a uh, possibly quite dovish insertion with this talk of the taking into consideration this cumulative rate tightening that has already been achieved. Uh, supposedly, the dovish uh, contingent on the Fed, most likely headed up by Vice Chair Brainerd. Uh, there are Daly and others that are also somewhat dovish, insisting on this language, perhaps, in order to get the unanimous vote in favor of the statement. So um, could explain why the statement was somewhat dovish versus that very hawkish uh, presser. Regardless, it was what it was. We saw uh, basically, though, the Fed expectations for next year still sticking towards those highs around 5.15% for the Fed funds rate anticipated by around May of next year. Uh, Risk off still very much in uh, swing. And as I note here in the headline on slide two, the more interest rate sensitive stuff is uh, getting the the brunt of it, and especially the mega caps noticing that – the Nasdaq closing quite weakly once again, closing on the lows of the cash session at least, and some of those big mega caps, uh, all, you know, sort of all falling along with that. But as you look at the S and P 500, and you can see we're about mid range. Uh, we have only touched the 50% retracement of the the rally wave off the lows. So Peter, I don't know what you saw in yesterday's session that was of interest. The whole sort of negative energy got uh, was sort of tempered a little bit, ironically, by a weak ISM services. A survey. So I guess the best thing in the world for for equities is going to be a U.S. recession. Is that how we're supposed to read this? Because obviously that's that's the sort of the narrow focus here is on these these uh, these uh, yields and the Fed expectations. Yeah, I think if we get a U.S. recession, <clears throat> then um, then I think we will we will take a, a leg uh, down. But then at least we'll get to to the bottom. Uh, so and uh, so and, and get that turning point. As I said yesterday, there were Powell's remarks that you know the window is narrowing for a soft landing, and um, I think. The market is still trying to digest what uh, what was said on on that uh, statement, and uh, I think the the ongoing repricing um, of uh, of rate expectations uh, for next year, both the level but also the ex- to the extent that they will remain high, is something that will be ongoing. And but this morning, of course, the spillover effects from China with just its plan to to ease restrictions is what's um, impacting sentiment on the positive side. We should also add. John, so we had the negative price performance from technology companies over the past couple of trading sessions. We should note as well that yesterday was a big day in terms of layoffs. A lot of layoff uh, news from you know Stripe, uh, Coinbase, Robinhood, um, Meta has has a hiring freeze, um, etc. Even Morgan Stanley is, is contemplating layoffs. There is a lot of layoffs uh, coming, and I think that's an interesting timing given we have non-farm payrolls later today, and we'll talk about that. But if we look at, at the theme basket overview on slide two, I think the big story that is developing right now in the equity market on the downside uh, are payment companies and cybersecurity companies. A lot of the cybersecurity stocks that have reported earnings this week, they have been strong uh, revenue and, and the underlying uh, earnings more or less in line with uh, with expectations. But clearly, the market expectations were above the analyst uh, estimates. And uh, a lot of the cybersecurity companies have been uh, have been clubbed in, in, in yesterday's and, and the day before. Uh, trading sessions, and you can see the for the week now uh, we're down eleven percent. So not not a very healthy uh, healthy sign to say the least. Weak performance there, and yeah. uh, another weak performance was from the Bank of England yesterday. And uh, you know it was the fears the scenario I feared 
I, I think it's very interesting to see the market reaction versus uh, what was actually said. So yesterday, the Bank of England hiking by 75 basis points, which was mostly priced in. So they were at least wise enough to follow market expectations on that front, taking the rate to 3%. Um, but uh, then in the uh, both in the statement and in the long press conference, there was a long discussion around the forward implied rates by the market, which is marking the, uh, the BOE to get to around 4.6% by uh, mid next year, before mid next year. But the Bank of England pushing back against that, saying uh, we're unlikely to take rates to that level because it would trigger a two-year recession in the UK. Now, two sides to this. So Sterling obviously took that very negatively and for very good reason, because you need to have credibility on the rate side, especially given the hawkish Fed, uh, to uh, support the currency. And we saw Sterling selling off badly. We saw cable down to 111.50 at the lows. We saw, importantly, Euro Sterling. So not just about the dollar and strong dollar, but also about Sterling weakness. Euro Sterling popping way back up into the range, well above 87. But then, as I note on slide three, if you look at the 20, May 2023 Bank of England forward implied rates, they didn't move one iota. So the market is saying to the Bank of England, you think you're not going to be there, but actually you are going to be there because if you're not going to be there, uh, and even despite the fact that you're there, sterling is going to sell off. So uh, a Bank of England is going to be kicked, uh, dragged kicking and streaming into further rate hikes. I think the only way sterling finds support is on a credible November 17th, the budget statement, and that we see the Fed starting to get marked lower. Uh, so that it looks less bad, the, the forward outlook from the Bank of England here. And right at the moment, that's not what we're seeing. So I think there's a risk. We get strong uh, jobs data today. We get another strong core print on the CPI to the U.S., and we could have cable uh, testing really towards uh, the lows of the cycle, potentially 105. Who knows where it could go to the downside. And I'll briefly round out FX. I just want to point out on the slide four, uh, on the FX side, Dalian, it hasn't quite been tracking what yields have been doing. So I have the uh, the yield, the 10-year yield there in blue. And you can see that we're underperforming that a lit, little bit. I think that the market is a bit reluctant to, to test the Bank of Japan here. But as well, we are in an uninspiring price action at the long end of the U.S. yield curve. And that's why I put in the U.S. yield slope there and the red line. We're hitting new cycle lows. It's the lowest it's been since the early 1980s. Um, I, I'm wondering if the market is just thinking, well, this yield curve can't get that much more inverted. Well, I'm, I think it could. I think it could get to 100 negative basis points as long as that U.S. data proves resilient. So there's that interesting story. Do we get follow-on dollar strength or do we get a crazy additional whiplash because we get some weak numbers today out of the U.S.? I'll preview the jobs report in a, in a, in a short while here. Sterling really uh, jerked to the downside by this Bank of England meeting for good reason. I think there could be some follow-on weakness on that. And the Norris Bank uh, cautious there, but somehow Nor uh, Norwegian Corona relatively resilient. And look at your space, uh, um, or less. I guess there's some reason for that. Oil is trying to get interesting at the top of the uh, consolidation pattern here, but it's not exactly shooting the lights out. Not exactly, Don. And uh, just returning to your, 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 you mentioned the yield curve. Uh, that slope of the yield curve now, as you said, it's the, it's the steepest inversion in 40 years. Um, that is also, I think, one of the reasons why we saw uh, demand uh, recovery come into the precious metals yesterday. Uh, we've seen a, a strong bounce from from uh, what is now a very, very key level of support in gold at 1615. Uh, so um, we'll see what 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 uh, today's uh, numbers uh, bring in terms of additional action. But yes. Um, I just highlight crude oil and copper here, two uh, two two commodities, uh, depending on obviously on on demand, like uh, all other commodities, but uh, but increasingly so from from uh, China. And these uh, COVID easing rumors simply won't go away. Uh, there's now some uh, there is some solid uh, uh, developments happening with regards to um, 
uh, airlines not being penalized for bringing COVID into the country. Uh, so the market is really looking for for easing uh, restrictions, perhaps uh, sooner than than than, uh, than than later, and that's uh, uh, lifting the the the, uh, the risk appetite in commodities. So crude oil trading above. Uh, this is uh, actually this is WTI crude um, on the on the chart. It's uh, moving above ninety, but as you can see, it's still within that range. Looking at copper, we talk about it on numerous occasions. You can see we just have this whole band of uh, resistance levels above. So it will take quite a lot for it to 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 break through that level but at least the the prospect of a reopening in china will will support the uh, surprise now and also on the demand side the sorry on the supply side Peru's La Bambas, which is a, one of the biggest copper mines in the world, they are once again hit by uh, by blockades uh, from from workers, and uh, it, it's really it's having a negative impact on on supplies, which is supporting the price as well. Looking at another market where there's been some focus on China this week is the cotton market. Uh, cotton has been uh, has been slammed uh, hard by down by around more than fifty percent since uh, since peak in May. Makes sense because the if the global consumer steps back a little bit from their spending, then they will they will uh, use less buy less garments, and that's uh, impacting cotton. But we just see now on the latest data uh, export data out of the U.S., one of the world's biggest exporters, that the Chinese demand uh, actually rose uh, by 100% relatively to the same same week last year, and you can see that on the small insert that it has started to pick up, and at the same time the the um, the, the forward curve has flattened completely in, in cotton. So we've gone from a market where there was a backwardation, i.e. a very, very tight market condition, uh, giving you a a, a, a roll yield of almost 25% on, for holding position in a one year's time to uh, back down to flat. So uh, again, it, it's, it's reached levels where, where it's perceived as being relatively cheap and uh, that's supporting the price and this strong bounce we've seen this week. All right, uh, over back over to the uh, equity market, Peter, because we have uh, we have to sort out what's what's coming next from the Fed. That's the broader market, but uh, also maybe a brief word on. I mean, look at the remarkable uh, divergence in the performance you're seeing in the European indices. I just noticed uh, the DAX today; it, it peaked out the day before yesterday. It's only come back a little bit. Of course, a lot of that is FX related, but it's just it's quite a divergence. I don't know if you want to talk to that a little bit as well. Well, divergence between Europe and the US or inside. Yeah. yeah, of course. The in the short term, the the currencies uh, is is a big thing. Uh, European equities have outperformed the US equities quite strongly over the past uh, two months, and I think it it's um, one thing is the currency angle, but the other thing is that Europe has been very fortunate to have a mild weather that has eased a lot of the energy pains, at least here in the short term. I think the um, the macroeconomic performances in the, across many European countries have been better than feared. Um, we've seen that in, in in Q3. So I think just relative to expectations, there have been tailwind for for Europe in in many ways, um, and that has, I think have been a, a positive for for Europe. But um, we still have a very long winter ahead of uh, ahead of ahead of us. So um, uh, I think we. Um, we we I think it's too early days to call it a big victory lap here for uh, for Europe. Um, if we look at stocks to watch today and staying with the European theme, uh, Leonardo, which is a big Italian defense contractor, uh, is out this morning. Uh, they beat both on uh, on operating income and revenue. They have very strong orders, but there is a key risk building for Leonardo. They have seventy percent of their backlog uh, on fixed prices. So with inflation slowly grinding through the whole system. Um, they they might be forced to deliver a lot of military equipment uh, at fixed prices and with you know steel and and iron iron and and everything else uh, going have gone up a lot in price that could be a problem for for margins but 
for future growth, the, the strong orders are suggesting that Europe is really ramping up a lot on military spending here. Uh, Société Générale, which is one of the big banks in um, in, in France, up with a massive beat in Q3 uh, on the net income side, was a 50% against estimates beat there. Um, lower uh, loan provisions, but also very strong trading results, especially in their debt, uh, debt trading, uh, surprisingly. And then Odea, uh, their CEO, which is soon leaving the bank, uh, is out in a in a in a you know in a small interview this morning saying that he and the bank is expecting Europe to be in a minus two percent recession by next year. So um, here is one of the big banks that I'm definitely not uh, shy of coming out with a strong view that Europe cannot avoid a recession for next year. I think that's interesting given your talks about uh, Europe, John, and, and and Bailey's outlook and Bank of England. I think Europe is in a in a predicament, and I think we should also mention that Lagarde yesterday said that even a mild recession will not be able to tame inflation and 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 that just the just that wording and that comment uh, means that there of course have been discussions inside the ecb that you know maybe we we unfortunately we have to engineer a, a more severe recession to get this inflation under control so but that's a discussion for next year and we just have to take everything uh, month by month the mercado libra we highlighted in the podcast yesterday they were out with you know um uh, I think a good result in the uh, in the e-commerce business, and because expectations are so low for Mercado Libre, it's uh, the Amazon of South America. Uh, the stock price has, uh, has reacted uh, uh, positively to the news. Um, there are brewing problems in their uh, credit portfolio, so Mercado Libre is is having their e-commerce uh, leg, and then like everyone else, they have to branch into new things. You can't just apparently in this world do one thing if you're a technology company. So they also do fin- financial technology. Which is a fancy word for for just you know providing loans to consumers with very bad credit uh, credit standards, and what you're seeing is that the credit quality is deteriorating in its loan business. So the number of people, the percentages of their loan portfolio, which is uh, in a delinquency uh, or past ninety days, is uh, is increasing, unfortunately. Yeah, and then uh, if you look ahead, uh, earnings um, it's not really interesting in in the, in the US today. I mean, unless you you find the utility sector uh, sexy, you have uh, Duke <laughs> Energy. Um, but I would say, though, that the MA activity is uh, picking up now in the U.S. in the utility sector. We saw that yesterday as well with private equity firms moving into the util- utility industry or sector in the U.S. And do energy, what could be interesting and what analysts are, are looking for in, in today's report is to what extent they are, have done their review and they uh, want to go ahead selling their $4 billion portfolio of solar and wind assets. And then if we look ahead next week, I've highlighted a few names here with Blue, I think on Monday, Activision Blizzard in gaming and Solar It in uh, on the solar industry. They do software and, and inverters, etc., for for managing solar panels. And and then Walt Disney, of course, being the the, the biggest one to watch, and that's on uh, on Tuesday. But we'll follow up on Monday with a more in-depth discussion. Okay, and then uh, with today, uh, today's macro calendar, the focus naturally on the U.S. jobs report. The um, Non-farm payrolls change expected around plus 200K. It was uh, well above 250 or 263K was the actual data point, if I recall, from September. Unemployment rate, for whatever random reason, expected to tick up slightly to 3.6%, that 3.5% level from September and also back in July. And also back, uh, if we recall, pre-pandemic, we were getting around these uh, record modern lows of 3.5% as well. Um, if that ticks back and forth, I suspect it has something to do with the participation rate in the household survey. More importantly, I think, is the average hourly earnings, because here we're getting a picture of a trend developing and 
and lower monthly prints if we get another low one in line with the expectations today, which is for a plus 0.3% month-on-month reading and a plus 4.7% year-on-year reading, when, and that latter would be the lowest uh, since, uh, since I believe it was August of 2021. And if you start annualizing these 0.3% prints you've been getting the last couple months, uh, people start to say, well, uh, there's this argument, well, core inflation can't get meaningfully below 5% if uh, average hourly earnings are still around 5%. But if you start annualizing a whole string of data that's going below 4%, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the area to look for the surprise, I think, in either direction. Uh, if we get a strong surprise in the average hourly earnings, I think that has the most sort of impact here, unless there's just something wild happening that we can't anticipate with non-farm payrolls, either to the positive side or to the negative side. Uh, next week, very briefly, we have the midterm elections on Tuesday. These are we're presuming there's the red wave. It's the classic unpopular president, first term, midterm uh, election after the uh, the start of a first term uh, with what's going on in inflation, et cetera. There's just a strong assumption there. The big shock will be if, of course, the Democrats perform better and can somehow get both houses or retain both houses and strengthen the majority. That would be an absolute shocker and a total game changer in terms of the potential for forward policy. But I think there's a lot of haziness around this election, but I'm assuming that the uh, consensus is that some degree of Republican victory is likely at least taking the House uh, and a strong red wave, the sort of extreme possibility in that direction. But the highlight of the week otherwise, next week, certainly that October CPI print on Thursday, that'll be the one. We know how touchy the market is around these CPI prints. We've been getting these strong core inflation readings. Another strong one is is just going to continue to sort of uh, keep the fire under the developments we've seen established this week with that hawkish FOMC meeting. Uh, and then it's, of course, up to animal spirits uh, in general as well. And, and we note in the appendix, once again, we've got quite an interesting weekly candlestick here that's sort of engulfed and wiped out the previous week's candlestick. So how we close this week is quite important, I think, for setting up sentiment and whether we're running into the lows here in the coming weeks uh, in, in things like the S&P 500 in the U.S. Uh, equity space. So, yeah, interesting day ahead. Stay careful out there. Have a great weekend when you get there. And we'll be back next week with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.